You're listening to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch, episode 361. My name's Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, to discuss the third and final season of the German Netflix series, Dark. And if you're listening to this episode, you probably know that we made the decision to alter the timeline and try to accelerate not only our recording process, but our publishing process. So... You know, dude, we've talked about this many times that, yes, in a perfect world, if we were in the 1990s, early 2000s, we could look at one episode a week and everybody be on board. But it's 2020 and people are watching the entire series of Dark in one sitting. So... Uh, you know, that certainly played into our decision, don't you think? Yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, we looked at it. At first, it was like, ah, okay. I mean, I, I know everyone's going to put this on me. Like, oh, this is just because Wayne doesn't want to wait to watch it. And But it's it's really a couple factors. One, obviously, two months down the line, like, people, will, it will have been two months since anyone watched the show. And so that kind of puts it, you know, I mean, we're just obviously trying to be more timely with this. Uh, ideally, I guess we could record these all in one sitting, just like people watch them. But, you know, it's just kind of dealing with the reality. Um, another thing is that the amount, you know, I guess I didn't really think about this, but once it came out, the amount of spoilers I had to avoid looking at, you know, is pretty intense. So that's another part of it that, you know, how easily it could get spoiled for us, for the audience, for anyone. So, um, you know, like, uh, yeah, ideally just kind of go one week at a time, but um, looking at the reality of, of all things considered, we decided to just at least try to, you know, pick up the pace just a little bit. Right. And, and certainly life might get in the way and we might hit a stretch where we are releasing one podcast a week. But for now, while time allows, this is what we're going to do. So as you said, I Google dark because I want to look at the IMDB page and like six videos pop up on my screen. The shocking ending of dark explained the, like you said, no, Yeah. are we going to expect people to wait two months to listen to the season finale podcast right. and you know so anyway want to thank our patrons what we mentioned karen from colorado last week uh, fred from the netherlands of course as a patreon supporter and and certainly a supporter of the podcast through his weekly feedback dan richard travis mark cindy dan and mike who've all been with us for a while now we appreciate it and as we've said uh, unfortunately podcasting isn't free i mean it can be free but like most things in life you get what you pay for so you know our patreon account helps with hosting fees and the like uh, if you want to contact us the address is sci-fi tv rewatch at gmail.com comments about dark you know, anything else going on in genre tv is fair game now, uh, you know, it just seems like we recorded a few days ago. So in terms of what we're watching, I'm still working on Once Upon a Time. And the order, for me, there's really nothing new. Yeah, I, uh, I finally started watching Ash versus Evil Dead. That is, it's been really excellent so far. Uh, they're very short episodes, each one, not even a half hour long for the most part. 
Um, and very much, even I think Sam Raimi might have done the first episode. I believe he wrote and directed like the first one. I can't remember exactly if he did or not. I know he is a um, on board with the creative team for this. You know, it, it is very much in the spirit of Evil Dead Two, and everyone who has, if you, I guess you probably have to go pretty deep back into the podcast to hear our review of Evil Dead Two. But uh, if you if you know anything, if you were listening back then, you know that that was definitely my baby, and I forced Dave to watch that movie and everything. It's one of my personal favorite movies. So, Ash vs. Evil Dead, um, you know, keeping in the the you know comic gore genre, I guess if you put it, is uh, does a great job. Very enjoyable uh, uh, series, and Bruce Campbell is the man. Right, and, and the podcast Wayne's referring to, if you go to the website, sci-fi-tv-rewatch.podbean.com, there's a link up at the top with all the shows we've covered for movies. Just click movies, and it's going to be in that menu there. You know, before we go too far, you know, we mentioned about speeding it up, and, and certainly Fred was, you know, less than thrilled because I only gave him a few hours notice because this was something that, that you know, kind of happened pretty quickly yeah dave messaged me saying uh i'll just say you messaged me saying hey do you want to maybe do a couple weeks I'm like yeah i can do tomorrow <laughs> so yeah <laughs> and, and like i was saying fred was not about to be wally pipped fred that's p-i-p-p when you go to google for those of you out there that are sports fans you probably know what that means and if not Google is your friend. All right. <laughs> Episode 302 of Dark, titled The Survivors, written by Yante Frisia and Mark O. Sang, who wrote three episodes together from season one and two in season two, directed, as always, by Baron Bo-Odar. The title pretty much says it all, wouldn't you say? Basically. I mean, well, I mean obviously, this one we would assume is going to be a heavy dose of the you know the people who we didn't really haven't seen Zerbin Apocalypse. That's not that's not the right. Please edit that out. That's terrible. But we haven't seen them since the apocalypse, right? And you know it's it's also more than just surviving the apocalypse because you know we get those scenes with Katarina. Well, it's really just one scene when she's a teenager and her mother whacks her across the head, and and you know that one scene it opens up so much understanding of her character and you know we'll talk about it in a little bit but i guess i feel like she survived that childhood i mean when we talk about uh teenage regina i mean she's on her own her mother's dead mm-hmm. her or her mother's missing her grandfather's right. dead it's her and alexander and yet she survives that to really have a successful life so uh, you know I, I i love the title of this episode now the other thing i i did find out when i did go to imdb and avoid all the spoilers those three characters that we've been referring to as the cleft lip trio and dark just simply refers to them as old unknown adult unknown and young unknown <laughs> old unknown and adult unknown the actors are father and son oh really in real life Hans ah. Deal and Jacob Deal, or it's probably Jakob Deal. So yeah, I found that interesting. The young unknown 
No, not so much. I didn't look to see if he's got any other family connections, but he has a different last name. So 301 took place on November 4th. 302 takes place on September 22nd for whatever reason. But Well, we I, I find out, the, right, They the, at the end, uh, Marta tells us that their apocalypse is three days away. So that we know they're not occurring at the same time time the same rate and and that's something that does come out of this episode i i guess the one perhaps most important question that we really don't get an answer to is why doesn't adult jonas who's in 1888 at this point remember traveling with alt martha to alt winden as right. he claims in fact he calls her a liar yeah and i mean on the one hand this seems to mark the point that he begins traveling the path to becoming Adam. Oh, yeah, because he's actually building the office, right? Well, but it's also his attitude. I mean, there's just such a change. And in fact, old Tanhouse mentions his surly attitude. I don't think he Mm -hmm. uses the word surly, but but (laughs) certainly that's what he means. And I I mean, this is not a Jonas we've seen really in in any incarnation before. No, no. um, so well, that's they, interesting. Well, right, because yeah, we've we've said how does even jumping to that that middle aged Jonas that we saw, how does that guy become Adam? Because he seems so completely opposed to everything that Adam kind of stands for. But now we kind of see it. I mean, there seems like they're stuck in eighteen eighty eight, right? Did they say something about that? Well, well, there's, I mean, they're stuck there because yeah. they don't have any nuclear material. They, right, right, they, like, right, right. The cesium yeah, or whatever Bartosz it was. says, right, you can't, uh, you can't just, you know, pop up nuclear material in, in 1888. So uh, they're kind of stuck there. And, I mean, obviously, that's that has had an impact on Jonas. Um, and now with Marta showing up from this other world, that claims that she knows him. And, you know, honestly, when she says, Jonas told me that you were here, like, well, how does he know? You mean right? uh, teenage Jonas? Yeah. The one that she met, right? Well, that's a good question. Unless he told her at some other point, because, you know, this one's got the little cut on her face. And we right. already know that we can have two versions of teenage Jonas in the timeline at the same time, because we go back to last season and that scene at the lake, right? right? Yes. True. True. So, so yeah. Okay. So there, that answers my question. Right. And you know, (laughs) getting back to adult Jonas's feeling that she's lying to him. Maybe he doesn't know that's a possibility, which you find extremely difficult to believe given his age and everything he's experienced. But, you know, we also get that voiceover of, I guess it's a radio broadcast that's talking about the aftermath of the event. And that, of course, French, because France is the only other country out there. Uh, French the place that exists. Yeah, French when scientists France. say that time may have stopped for a nanosecond. Is this the glitch in the matrix? Is this what has caused Martha to to be able to come to this world because we never really get an explanation for her or how she's able to come over to this other 
universe. And right. And you mentioned a minute ago that they're stuck there. Well, she should have her time machine, that little orb, right? Right. Yeah. And I'm almost surprised that Jonas hasn't searched her room, so she must have it hidden somewhere pretty good. Yeah, but I mean, how many places are there to hide it in that place? Doesn't look like I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I guess you could have hidden it outside <laughs> we could nitpick, somewhere. But but yeah, I mean, those are all good questions, right? Because um, she could. Yeah, I mean, she obviously could roll out whenever she wants. At least we assume that she could. Well, she probably watched Continuum and knew to bury her time travel device ah, right. in the ground so that she yeah. can then recover it later. Um, but we're still not sure if she's even seen the Matrix, so, you know. Well, good point. <laughs> good point. But uh, the other thing that that is still kind of puzzling, and, and again, as we talk about it, maybe we'll have some answers, um, and, and Fred he kind of dances around this a little bit, although he's talking about uh, 1987 Tronte more in, in whether or not he's Regina's father. But, you know, he, he gives some indication in 1987 that he knows something and whether it's that he knows something about traveling. I mean, why is he interested in the old lady and the dog? So, I mean, we know he knows about it later because we see him in the bunker. Right. But well, I think he's just he's just trying to find out what happened to Claudia, despite his wife calling him out in front of everyone at their son's like quote unquote funeral service. He still goes and is trying to find Claudia and figure out what happened there. Which actually then begs the question: Is why is he with Yana and not Claudia in the first place? Yeah, good question. All right. Well, they cover a lot of ground in this episode, and, and in some cases. It's really just one brief scene to touch base with those characters, which, again, is something I like. And we've mentioned a number of times, if there was a drawback of a show like Game of Thrones, it's that you'd go a week, sometimes two weeks without seeing some storylines and some characters. So right. they at least give us you know, a little bit here. But obviously, the 1888 storyline at the Tannhouse Machine Factory and that opening scene of Alt Martha's dream where she's having sex with Jonas, we see her bloody hands holding the metal, standing in Adam's office. A, a lot of these images uh, flash at us. I mean, what's your takeaway? I mean, there's two things I kind of thought because, like, we really don't know what those images signify. So it's either, I mean, but again, this is Martha who is you know like they've been traveling for a while so i guess these are things either things she's experienced or is she having kind of some vision of other things other you know other worlds fred will talk about how he thinks it's actually Jonas having a fantasy about marta and i guess that's that's also a possibility i just took it that these were things that had maybe happened to her while she was traveling and it doesn't look like she's been having some great experiences traveling if that's the case right because we have to look at a dream and and i think we're certainly meant to think she's waking from a dream in which you know these images were apart is she remembering are these memories are they fantasies are they kind of supernatural things that uh, your subconscious is is concocting right so kind of as you said we don't really know yeah well that, that's also a good one like it just could be things yeah like when you have dreams a lot of times obviously you have dreams of people you know or 
places you've been, but sometimes your dreams are just these crazy dreams, right? That, and you know, Freud would just say your your brain is kicking symbols out at you because it's trying to deal with stuff. But again, even then, we'd say the things that Marta is dealing with her are not great if these are the images that her brain is kicking out to her. Well, yeah, and the one that really strikes me is the image of her washing blood from her hands. And mm-hmm. and again, I think we talked last week about Jonas seeing the blood on his hands and, and in that case, literally not metaphorically. So we don't know whether that's the case with her as well. Is this, is this her guilt that, that's arising in her dream? I assume sure. we'll, we'll find just, out later, yeah. but well yeah and you know we can't help but link that to the macbeth poster that was in original marta marta 1.0 was in her room right and we said how you know like the one of the main things about macbeth as just like with oedipus rex is this idea of that you are bringing about your fate uh, by trying to oppose it, you are actually causing it to happen, or really, actually, Macbeth's fate. Point, in Macbeth's uh, case, you know, but yes, he does actions that that cause uh, people to come up in rebellion. But also, there's this idea that he, that it's what his fate is inescapable, right? No matter what he does, that what is going to happen is going to happen, and we're really starting to get a sense of that in this we just really we've it's been all throughout the series with you know claudia's and and, you know especially with tronte killing regina you know he does this because claudia tells him that this is must happen in order to save her so it's just claudia's firm belief that things have to play out as they always have that things are gonna happen they have to happen as they always have happened and that's kind of been her you know, belief system this whole time. Or, and and I agree with that assessment, but what I also started thinking as I watched that episode for the third time, and I've really been fortunate to have a chance to rewatch and rewatch that whole idea that killing Regina, you know, is the only way to save her. I'm wondering, can there only be one of each character? And that if Regina is alive in, alt Winden, she can't be alive in Winden Prime. Well, Ulrich is still in both. Oh, you're right. You're right. Oh, good point. Good point. So, all right. Um, Bang so, so, Charlotte. So. All right. So forget that theory. <laughs> um, so she wakes from this dream. Older Jonas is sitting there on the chair just waiting for her to wake up which is pretty creepy in and of yeah. itself tells her to yeah, get dressed yeah and and she's wearing the 19th century clothes and and we recognize that top from the trailer although in the trailer it, it uh looked a bit different and we won't spoil it if you haven't seen the trailer i i, I speak to me not of trailers dave yeah i know yeah <laughs> if you look at the facebook group i think we've made our decision that's the last trailer we will ever examine yeah. on the podcast and yeah. probably watch as well which that's probably not true but you know what i mean um yeah. i always so, watch these star wars trailers I, i'm a sucker for the star wars trailer any day but any any series like this never again yeah so she walks into the tan house lab finds magnus bartosh and francesco waiting for her and of course we get that scene that we know is coming 
she's not your Martha and explains that her mission is to fix things so they don't die in each other's world, which just begins the confusion that we already have. Well, what does that mean? Yeah. You know, die in each other's world. Does that mean you three are going to end up dying in Alt Winden or, you know, it's just not clear. Or does she just simply mean your versions won't die in my world or in your world? So, which I guess is what she means. Right. Well, she has this kind of this concept of, I'm going to save everybody, you know? Um, And it's this idea, I guess we assume that it's the the origin from uh, last season that, that Adam told Jonas about that, you know, there's still this idea if they could just pinpoint the correct origin and eliminate it, then none of this will have happened. And, everyone will be free and happy and dancing around, you know? Yeah. Now, you you know, we talked about difficulty understanding, you know, why Jonas would be so disoriented in Alt Winden. I mean, why do they have such a difficult time believing the multiverse theory, given that just freaking time travel to 1888, where they've been for a few months and they learn about this group that's been, exploring time travel you know since what like around 1818 i guess we'll talk about that scene in a little while again given everything you've seen and experienced why would you doubt the multiverse theory yeah well because obviously time travel is totally possible dave but multiverses that's preposterous exactly (laughs) And, and of course this is the scene that we talked about earlier where where jonas calls her a liar for how she found them but as you kind of alluded when we were talking about that when does he tell her that granted it may have been a scene in between they don't have to necessarily show us everything i mean my gosh they've only got eight episodes so right right they can't necessarily do some jumping yeah right but he starts getting physically aggressive and did you notice their reaction? They go in and pull him off her as if they're defending their Martha, right. even though they've just been told it, it's not. So I, I don't know if that's going to be an indication of how quickly they accept her into their group. Again, she's still got her time travel device somewhere, I would think. So we don't know how long she's going to be in 1888 and whether she's going to take anybody with her or not. But, um, you know, Bartosh, interestingly enough, does make the first move. And and I thought that was pretty cool. You know, he comes in and tells her he's sorry about Jonas, who's clearly changed. And, you know, of course, we get that. And he's kind of trying to pry her for information, which, of course, she's smart enough to not give up. He, he talks about the fact that Jonas didn't want to come to 1888. It just happened because I guess we knew this at the time that he travels just as the apocalyptic wave is about to hit, mm-hmm. you know, where they are. So, again, is that the glitch in the Matrix? Is that the time standing still for a nanosecond that he had set the dials to go somewhere else and the, you know, we don't know exactly, but clearly he's right. led them to believe he didn't intend to go to 1888, which you have to believe because now they're pretty much stuck there. 
until he can reinvent the wheel. Right. And you know, you know, those kids are like, God, my cell phone doesn't work. There's no Netflix. Oh, I'm so bored. Yeah. And, and just seeing them in those 19th century clothes is really disarming in a way. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think I mentioned last week about uh, Magnus's long hair would be perfectly fine. Well, clearly he's cut it all off. Yeah. So, yeah. I so. think he looks okay with the shorter hair. And then, you know, Bartosh going the other way, his hair's got a little bit longer. So right. looks more like the Bartosh. Well, I, I guess maybe that might've been a choice that that way the actor can play both Bartosh's and, uh, you know, not have to get his hair cut, you know, and have to film all the one scenes at the one time and all the other scenes. They just make it easy. Just, all right, just grow your hair out. You're going to be long-haired Bartosh in 2019 in the alt world, and you're going to be long-haired Bartosh because you haven't been to a barber in a couple months back in 1888 as well. Same haircut. We don't have to worry about uh, switching around the, the, the scenes that we film to compensate for shorter hair. Yeah, I haven't been to a barber in a while myself so uh may end up going the mullet route you know i can nice i can shave the sides myself that's no problem there you go yeah business in the front are you the rear yeah yeah. we're also introduced to old tan house who is blind and this is his machine factory we don't know how long he's been blind at this point but he certainly can see what's going on and he's fully aware of time travel in fact he asks martha are you one of them a a traveler which you know of course she is and then he tells jonas every calamity can be reversed and that they're going to create a paradise a perfect world and given all the biblical implications that are coming our way are we talking about creating an eden or are we just simply talking about saving these two universes, or are these two separate plans? Well, we've heard this kind of line before. You know, Ellie in the future is also, you know, apparently promising her followers paradise as well. So it's this kind of, you know, there's the Sigmundus group you know, the, the party line that they've been fed is that, well, if we can sort out time travel, then we can just keep going back in time and, and taking away all the bad things that have happened. You know, watching this in German, actually, you hear the word, especially Adam says this word a lot, Schmerz, uh, pain. And he says that word a lot. And so, you know, here's a guy whose whole life, his whole outlook is defined by pain and so he is just trying to find a way to stop pain and to suffering not really obviously not taking into account which you know anyone would be probably first to point out is that unfortunately suffering is part of the human experience and it's how we deal with suffering how we learn to accept it and and move on through it as part of what makes us human right I, I, I personally started to see Adam and his vision as being, yeah. You know, I just I, the more I think that he's just trying to escape from pain, the more I think, well, this is this this whole his whole business plan is doomed to failure, right? Okay, so so Adam has taken up the Sigmundus mantle, 
Is that fair to say? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Okay. And they want to create this perfect world, this Eden, and as you said, devoid of pain. And it makes me think of the H.G. Wells novel, The Time Machine, when the traveler goes way into the future, like, you know, 500,000 years, and we find that the human race has evolved into this 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 race of beings that has had everything you know that that's threatening taken away and yet they're this helpless race that we think well i don't want to become that right so you know on the other hand we've got claudia and now of course alt martha that just simply want to prevent the apocalypse and assume just reinstall the status quo and let things go on as they've always gone on. So, um, you know, and and now look, you, you brought up sick Mundus and and Bartosh takes all Martha to the sick Mundus lair, which is pretty darn cool. They go through that. I I don't know. I don't know my architecture that well, but it looks like a Roman facade carved into the wall or whatever, Mm -hmm. but that's what we know as Adam's office, right? Yeah. Okay, and it seems as if she recognizes something, and at first I thought it was the carpet. I mean, we've talked about older Alt-Martha's office with the marble floor and, you know, the Adam and Eve statues, so that's different. That's in the Alt-World, but it's it's as if she recognizes something, And, and again, maybe I'm reading too much into this, but... He then goes on. Well, I, I think just to comment on that, I, I mean, I agree. I think probably she w- recognizes that this office is you know, similar to the other Martha's. Okay. But at this age, does she have a lair yet? Or has she traveled to the future and Ex- well, exactly like, right. Could, I mean, with, with time travel, you know, it's just like, you know, she definitely could have been. I mean, we know Jonas saw Adam's bunker uh, pretty early on, right? Yeah. So, right. you know, same way, you know, old old Marta could have, you know, brought her younger self in to say, hey, right. check and, it out. All this will and, be yours one day. All right. And he fills her in and, and of course, the audience as well on the fact that Tanhouse's father has been experimenting with time travel, you know, for a long time. And given that this tan house has got to be 70 or 80, which means he was born in around, you know, 1818 or so. So the, the idea of time travel, we don't know what kind of progress his father made, but he basically dedicated his life to building a time machine. And then that, that reveal that Jonas has already been here, not now, but in the future, Oh, okay. As if we're not confused enough. Right. So you just go like, okay, let's just move on to the next scene. Right. Now, were you surprised that she gives up the information about Adam's true identity so quickly? Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Like I, I try to, I, I feel like a, she kind of maybe, yeah, like ratted Jonas out a little bit there, but on the other hand, like it definitely was not her truth to tell, as we would say nowadays, right? Well, that's um, true. Um, 
On the other hand, given the reception she's received, you can maybe understand it, but maybe she understands how complex this whole situation is. And Bartosz, you've been taken from 2020 to 1888. You deserve to know the whole truth. So there is that as well. Yeah. You know, I, I was kind of also, this while we're mentioning Bartosz, because I figured, so, you know, in if if he stays, if he doesn't go back and doesn't time travel again, he stays, then in 1920, he'll be, you know, late 40s and everything. So, you know, I'm starting to feel more and more like he is that guy that uh, that gets pickaxed. Oh yeah, yeah, oh, no, I, yeah. I absolutely agree with that. I just kind of did a little math, and whenever I do math, I want to like tell people about it. There you go. So, <laughs> um, I thought they did a tremendous job depicting post-apocalyptic 2020 oh, winter. Wow, yeah. Oh, because uh, look, dark has been this massive phenomenon for German Netflix. We get that. Still. I find it hard to believe they have an unlimited budget for these things. Again, I just think they did just really a spectacular job. And we see Peter and Elizabeth in this wind and, and that first shot we get of Benny's trailer and young Elizabeth emerging into the rain. Again, we know it's the wind and we're used to, I guess we could refer to it as wind and prime to, you know, steal a phrase. from counterpart but peter's got that radiation detector all right yeah yeah you got your wallet check keys check geiger counter check all right let's go right Right. and as they're walking away we see another figure watching them and and of course at this time my first reaction that it was teenage jonas yeah yeah well and i would just like to point out that this is June 2020, it's taking place, and this figure is the only one who's properly masked. Well, a good point. And, you know, I was thinking about some of the images that were leaked for season two, and, you know, the ones with Jonas walking down the street with his pack and his mask on. Yeah, how prophetic. But they approached that guarded checkpoint that we saw in the 2052 scenes, obviously, much, much later. And they're told that that whole area is going to be sealed off, walled in, in five days. So now we understand where that wall came from that we yep. saw Jonas going in and out well, of. And of I, I, just, I liked how they did that because, like, of course, when something like this – well, first of all, obviously not everyone got wiped out because the army's still around, right? Right. And um, so you, you have this – you know, the, the army – setting up the perimeter around the the uh, the power plant and then you know the the list of photos and so, you know just this whole building of this world and so we get this sense of okay because you know we always wondered how how does Wyndon get to where it is in 2053 and you know because there's like the you know the the drone helicopter that was overhead we've got the roving bands of armed dudes with masks and everything. So, you know, we're, we're really getting a sense of, I mean, this is just early days after the, the, this apocalypse happened, but 
obviously things are going to continue to deteriorate more and more so that, you know, maybe there is, there, you know, there is no, is there an army anymore? It, or is there just, you know, roving bands of, of, of fighters? So, you know, I, you know, we don't get any of those answers, any of those questions answered, but we can certainly see, you know, how that could happen. Right. I mean, do we have a, a group of warlords, almost like in, in the series Revolution, that are going to challenge each other for power? But but as you said, we don't know. But we learn that the reason they're there is they're looking for Charlotte and Francesca, and they go in that makeshift morgue looking at the wall of photos of the dead, which is just, you know, a, a really alarming contrast to the wall that we've seen so many times in the bunker of Mm -hmm. the, the different families, but they don't see them there. But of course we see Wohler siblings are both dead. Uh, We see Jürgen Obendorf and that's Alexander Tideman, right? Alexander Tideman and um, Clausen. Oh, and, we didn't. Oh, Klaus. And, 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 and I think we talked about it at the time. How could he not survive that explosion? Or how could he have survived it? Right. Yeah. right. So. Um, uh, and, and if Peter had known that, you know, like Voller and Clausen and Alexander were the three people that were standing right next to Charlotta when the apocalypse happened, you would probably be, you know, encouraged that she's alive somewhere because you know all everyone who was in that room with her is dead. Well, and I love the fact that young Elizabeth suggests to her father that maybe they traveled. Now, yeah, we know Of course they did. Well, right. Now we know Francesca traveled to 1888, but as you said, we get that that really brief scene at the at the end in the cave with mother daughter Charlotte Elizabeth in 2053. Mother daughter mother yeah <laughs> mother daughter mother daughter mother right daughter. <laughs> where charlotte's holding the family photo of her as a baby with with noah and elizabeth and it's a very brief scene but it is touching and when they lean into each other and they just touch foreheads just really an emotional scene and and that's all we get in this episode and that's fine right well and we've seen them do that before right we yes. actually saw elizabeth do that to charlotta um before so uh, i just really quickly want to comment on you know on clausen because you know obviously he played a big part in season two and it looks like his watch is done so you know like we had talked like francisca suggested to bartosh in you know, season two, like, you know, Bartosh is like, well, why do you show me how to use this? Well, you know, everything's going differently. And then Fritz is like, well, maybe your job is just show us how to use it. And similarly, all that stuff with, with Clausen, that was just to get him to open up the, the containers, you know? Um, well, that's true. I, I, much, it looks like, right? Yeah. I but, mean, as uh, much as we hated him for it. <laughs> right. Well, I, yeah. On on further watching, I had a greater appreciation for Klaus and and, and his role and everything. Um, but uh, but yeah, that's a, a very nice scene. And and what I I'm wondering to myself is, we know that 
Charlotta knows that that uh, um, Noah is her father, right? Noah told her that. Um, she's got the picture now of Noah and Ellie, and she clearly with the baby. So we can only assume that Charlotta has worked it out that somehow her daughter is also her mother. Um, the question is, does Ellie know that? Right. And of course we learn the identity of the stalker and it's, it's younger Noah. And of course the alarm bells are going off for the viewer that, Oh, this is how they meet. And as he tells Peter, well, they met is, in the, in the, um, the bunker, right? Well, well, yes, right, right. But I mean, how he tells Peter that I'm going to take care of her after you get killed. Yeah. Boom. So we know, we know he's traveled a lot. So he knows probably how, when, and where Peter gets killed. Right. Uh, right. And have, he's, he's hung out with his older self. Who's been able to tell him all this stuff too. Right. So we assume that he's not going to actually do the deed. It's just that he's going to be there to take care right. of Elizabeth. And, you, know, and, you, you get that one scene where Ellie pushes Peter and he like stumbles back in the trail. Like, Oh, is this where it happened? You know? So like now we just feel like Peter has this knife hanging over his head, you know? Right now, you know, Elizabeth pulls out the Triketa notebook that her dad has been carrying around and kind of waves it in his face demands to know you know what's in it well you seem like a bright girl you didn't open it <laughs> yeah you can read just you can't hear you can read right yeah and granted we've only seen bits and pieces of what's in it and maybe she did look and it doesn't make sense to her but uh, i don't know so i mean she has certainly come to the realization that anything is possible at this point and sure. and her mother daughter and sister could be anywhere at any time yeah so. yeah you know we we you know now you mentioned that just this thought came to me is because you know ellie has come to that realization anything is possible but Jonas really has not though you know like he's still like he, the last two episodes we see him still having difficulty dealing with uh, 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 new things and uncertainty. Yeah. So. Now we see 1987 Claudia navigating the post-apocalypse in 2020. And, and of course we know how she got there and she's in the bombed out buildings. Now I'm not sure, you know, we see her unlock the door from the outside. I'm, I'm, I'm still trying to grasp the concept of, you know, who are you locking somebody in or right i mean i don't think uh, regina is going to go anywhere but she enters she's got the backpack and it's clear she's been there for a while and you know she's got that pack of tamoxifen which is a, a cancer uh drug for uh, i think for breast cancer patients and you know obviously they survived the apocalypse in the bunker but what now and and you know we get um, you know we get that scene where we see her recording the audio tape that we hear jonas listen to in in the lab in 2053 so that was cool is that the time travel device sitting there on her workbench 
Yes. I mean, we, we get, okay, we get a quick glimpse of it and we see her with the little canister of cesium, but we can't really see if there's any still in it. Basically, with everything we know, even in 2020, we assume that the God particle is, you know, spinning in the air as we've seen. And that's why the army is going to wall off that area. Right. Okay. Okay. So, you know, so we get, I don't know. I mean, we're shown things that we pretty much already knew, but that's okay. I mean, we get a little bit more information about it. And certainly she posits that it might provide a way to return to the past. If we can stabilize it, we can save them. Now we know how 1987 Claudia got to be older Claudia, that, that right. these are, you know, the, the beginning days, the genesis of this theory of hers, this mission of hers to save everybody and, you know, avoid sick Mundus changing the world. All right. But, you know, it's, again, if we look at like her goals and sick Mundus's goal, it, seems like basically the same thing is that they're both trying to preserve everything and, and you know make sure things happen as they've always happened but you know now i wonder if claudia does she know that jonas becomes adam i can't well we don't necessarily know that i i'm gonna go from the standpoint that because of her age how long she's lived, how long, how much she's experienced that. Yes, she does know. Yeah. So, so it seems strange that despite her apparently, you know, opposition to it, it seems like they kind of have the same, you know, goals basically is that, and, and it, it seems funny that like her idea of changing things is to make sure everything happens just as it always has. And so, yeah, it still doesn't really make clear why Trante has to kill who we believe is his own daughter. We don't know that for sure yet, but um, that still doesn't make sense. And, and, you know, as we said before, you know, maybe we'll get some clarification. But is there a more compatible couple than Katerina and Ulrich? <laughs> I mean, she does exactly the same thing at the police station in 1987 that he does in 1953, except she's, I guess, got a little bit more sense because she doesn't get, and she doesn't end up getting thrown in jail. Although right. he does tell her, if you come in here one more time, lady. Yeah. Well, I yeah, am gonna push yeah, you. yeah, exactly. Like these two just really can't see two inches past their nose. Just, plows right in she's standing in the middle of the freaking school for crying out loud handing out flyers now i would also say this katarina mickle is what 12 13 yeah. Yeah, something like that probably. when he disappears um you're handing out flyers to kids who are like juniors and seniors do you think they're gonna know the 12 year old kid like maybe you should go talk to the you know the seventh grade teacher how about that well, that's a good point as well. And not to mention where she got the money to make copies since yeah. she 
came from 2020 to 1987. But, you know, she broke the window. She got into the Conwald house, which is a neat callback because we know in the alt wind in that's her house right course, right that, yeah and she's sleeping there too so that was like yeah that was a really nice little bit of irony there right because this version doesn't know that but you know as you said she's in the hallway of the school handing out missing posters so clearly the uh, security guard was uh, i guess having a smoke behind the building and <laughs> Just let this stranger in. This some and, and, strange, creep, very sketchy-looking lady at this point. Let's, and, let's admit it. Right. And she immediately sees Ulrich with the broken nose, Hannah, and then her younger self appear. And we understand why she's momentarily thrown for a loop. Because while she's been here for a few weeks, I guess, at this point, uh, you know, she's still wrapping her head around the whole time travel thing because she doesn't have anybody else to really talk to about what it is she's experiencing. So we'll cut her some slack from there. But but the whole overly aggressive attitude she has, you know, you tell me about this madman that took Michael into the cave <laughs> and grabs Hannah and tells her to stay away from Mickle and Ulrich. And of course, young version of Hannah's probably thinking, well, who the hell is Mickle? Yeah, and if if she is successful in in that, then you know Jonas won't exist. So, you know, right. Sigmund's crew wouldn't thank her for doing that. Right, but you know, we wonder after this incident. Then we see her at the police station demanding information about the madman. And do we think she has any idea of who this madman might be? I mean, does she? think it could be Ulrich I mean I time traveled to 1987 could it be him even though we learn that and she learns that he's been in the mental institution for 34 years right, well, she so, saw the the newspaper article that oh right exactly back in the bunker that Charlotte had so yeah so she knows that Ulrich uh is traveled back to the 50s exactly Good catch. Right. I forgot about that. So I guess at this point, and, and she knows her husband. Well, you're calling him a madman. Uh, that sounds yeah, like Ulrich. That sounds like him. Yeah. Right. <laughs> now, she goes to the mental institution to see the madman. And did she not know her mother worked there? I mean, the camera zooms in and we see the name tag. And I get the feeling we're seeing it through her eyes as well. It's like, oh, that's my mother. Well, didn't you know she worked there? Yeah, well, maybe she did. Wasn't expected to run into her. I don't know. Like, that's a good catch with the the name tag because that name tag would have meant nothing to us except for earlier, young Hannah says, you know, Katarina Alper, you need to, you're going to be late. You know, so I'm, I'm like, well, why'd she call her by her? first and last name that seems like a you know especially a younger kid doing something like that like oh they need somehow to tell us katarina's last name so when she runs into her mom we figure out that's her mom right and the nurse is not going to let her in until she starts telling the story about the saint christopher medal and, and at first she asks her well are you related he's my husband oh you're one of them and for a split second i'm thinking Oh, this woman knows about travelers. But then yeah. she 
explains what it is. She, oh, okay, that makes perfect sense. Well, yeah, that, um, that's what I thought that Kadri was going to go with. Like, okay, let me, you know, reveal all these details about myself that only me and my mother would know. Like, hey, mom, remember when you thought I was raped and so you beat the crap out of me? Like, yeah, that was a good time. <laughs> You know, as a way to like kind of prove that uh, that she is Katarina and then somehow get her mother to help her out. Yeah. And I like the way they chose to let that scene unfold rather than, yeah, you know, do it the way you suggest. And then right, well, that's oh, that's why there's the people who write this are the writers and and I'm where I am. Right. Well, yeah. But you, I mean, you bring that up, I, I assume, because we've seen that used so many times sure in time travel movies it gets to the point where it's just what we'd call lazy writing and dark is anything but um yeah well you could also but from what we've seen of her mom so far it's just like that might not really have really worked with her anyway she seems kind of a severe person who you know doesn't buy into anything like that at all yeah and then we get the scene in the day room which if the scene with Elizabeth and Charlotte was emotional. This one ramps it up a few more notches because they immediately recognize each other. And then you see her touching his hand. And and obviously he's so much older now and this hand is shaking and she promises that she'll get him out and that all of this affair with Hannah is in the past. And I guess you could argue that they're uniting there. She's willing to put the past behind her because they're searching for their son and you know there'd certainly be validity to that but i i feel it's something else that we're we're past that we're back together and you know i'm going to get you out so right you know and and just you think like where well i guess because we we've had the experience i can't remember who said it to whom it's but you know, like the idea that that time won't allow you to to take Mickle, that something's always going to pop up, something's always going to prevent you, that because Mickle needs to become Michelle, who will father Jonas, so this it's not going to happen, right? And we see that every time Ulrich has tried to save Mickle, it's he, he's been thwarted by usually by Aegon. So when we look at, at Katarina's plan here as to break out old Orish, and then what? Like Mikkel isn't even around, so what are you gonna do then? Yeah, so it's just there's this pervading sense that this is clearly doomed for failure right from the start. Well, I guess we shall see. I, I, I guess the romantic in me wants the two of them to get out of that facility uh, again. But then I, what though? But the, live life as a a, a fifty year old lady and her eighty year old husband. Who, yeah, you know, it, it's there. there she, she, but see, Kyria has no. She, like I said, she she could only see what is like right in front of her. She doesn't, can't, doesn't really, and it's tough to say what the long run is at all here, but what, what then she breaks him out. What then, what do you do? You go back to the caves, you go back to Vinden and you know, like how do you explain that at garden parties? Yeah. Good point. I mean, it's, it's, 
no less confusing than what 1987 Tronte is up to. And obviously he's far more obsessed about finding his mistress than he is his son, as his wife points out at the, the event back at their house after the funeral. And we, you know, we, we get the scene where he, picks up Regina who's waiting at that bus stop that we've seen so many times and she's got her mom's dog and and it kind of hits us as I said earlier that she's basically on her own her mom's missing her grandfather's dead and he says if there's anything you might need I don't know how many clues we need to be given before we accept that he is Regina's father Yana even brings up Regina's unknown father later and then tells him that you know he's got to decide, and of course we know he stays with Yana. But if we accept that he is Regina's father, then you know that affair has been going on for an awfully long time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's a couple, and, and Fred mentions that he he brings the possibility that could be a red herring, and I will admit that I didn't really consider that as I was watching. I just after hearing Fred kind of drop that little little bit in my head think well yeah it's so obvious you know they're making it so obvious right that tronte is regina's father that well it could totally be has all the elements of a red herring where they're just pointing you trying to make it obvious that tronte is her dad and then it it turns out that he's not i still think he is but well um, i think he is and and again it goes back to the scene in the bombed out building when he puts a pillow over her head that right why else would he do that he he's con- been convinced by claudia that that's the loving thing to do right so right i don't know we'll we'll find out you just say ah, i'm killing you because my girlfriend banged some other guy and you, you had you you know he's doing it saying i'm doing this to save you so you know Right. Now, we see the cleft lip trio in 1987 at oh, Claudia's office. Guys. And, I mean, we know they can travel. And then he, he, they're in Claudia's office and the secretary you know, comes in on them at the end of the day. Jasmine. Tells her, hell is empty and all the devils are here. And we've certainly talked about the religious overtones, but, but that almost sounds like a group Shakespearean. That, well, yeah, but that is intent on destroying this world so that a newer, purer one can emerge. Yeah, let's look at what these clowns have done so far, right? They burned down Adam's office. Now, it looks like Adam cleared out, but they burned that down. They go, they kill Burn Doppler, and now they're after Claudia, and they, they kill her freaking secretary, like... Why? What's what's with that? Why'd you do that? You yeah, know? I mean, it seems they, excessive. Are they there to destroy the power plant so the apocalypse never happens? I guess. Yeah, it, it is so unclear as to what their their game is, um, but it, it yeah, it does seem to center around the the power plant, right? Yeah. So, and then we get that final scene with Jonas in alt winden and you know i like the fact that we didn't see much of him i mean i love his character but they did such a great job of 
showing us everything else that's going on. And, you know, sometimes I think it's lost how much the writers are able to pack into an episode because I think we get into this idea, oh, but it's a Netflix episode. It's an hour long. Well, this one was, I think it said like 58 or 59 minutes. But I think if you notice, Dark goes to the credits with like five minutes to go. They've got more credits than any show or movie I think I've ever seen. Yeah, they have lots of So we're talking about 50 minutes, and they get a lot in there. Old Alt-Martha and Jonas are in the marbled floor Adam and Eve room, I guess is the best thing to refer to it. I guess that's her office. We don't know our end, but our end knows us. Salvation or damnation. Can we accept the illusion of free will and the idea that we can't escape our destiny. And you were talking about this at the beginning of the podcast, that that whole idea of whether or not things can be changed or something's going to happen so that things continue to play out the way they play out. And obviously that's, I guess the major theme of dark, right? Right. I mean, um, you know, old Martha says we cannot escape our ultimate destiny, you know, and that actually right away, I, I like flash to season two when Jonas is, goes to steal the gas. Right. Um, and he, he plays suspicious minds by Elvis. Right. Which has the, the lyric we're caught in a trap. I can't walk out. You know, so at first I just thought, well, you know, the showrunners obviously are huge Elvis fans and they're just trying to work some of the king into their, into their show. And and then, you know, then I, but after, just for some reason, like after he talked to Martha here, that lyric came to my mind, like, oh, you know, cause we're starting to see, I, you know, we're really starting to see this. Well, I mean, the whole show has been centering around this idea of the, these cycles and of things happening, no matter what Jonas tries to do to break the cycle, he is really just creating the cycles, right? And the time and time again now, um, it's you know they've they've just been it's it's you this, we get the sense of inevitability and destiny and fate, and that's yeah. kind of what uh, old Marta is talking about here. Well, yeah, and and it also reminds me of, of that exchange Katerina has with her nurse mother when she's talking about the Saint Christopher medal and you know trying to talk her way in. But but she says, I assume she's talking about Saint Christopher. He renounced the devil and carried the Creator into the world. So, you know, who is the Creator? Is is the Creator going to turn out to be Adam or Jonas or Alt Martha or, I mean, it seems as if it's going to be a combination of Alt Martha and Jonas, but that remains to be seen. The one visual that impacts me more than anything, I think, in this episode is the one where we see the two worlds family trees connected by the infinity Mm -hmm. symbol. And now I'm like, ah, Alt Martha is like doodling that while Bartosh is giving his black hole report in 301. Oh, right, right, right. And I good catch, man. I can't remember if we saw that family tree in episode 301 or not, 
I hope not, because to not have caught that. But uh, well, so what is that? you because know, it was in the trailer. I know, but I don't know. No. If, I don't That's think probably we saw it in okay in, in the first episode. Uh, so what does that tell us about Alt Martha? You know, the, the Alt-Martha that's sitting in class doodling this image that is going to be so important later on, there's a, a term racial memory, and, and it refers to the human race and that, that, that we all have this collective consciousness that has worked its way through the millennia. So is this some sort of a racial memory? Because this... Alt Martha has not time traveled anywhere. So why is this symbol important to her? Don't yeah. know. Don't but. don't know. Anyway, so little, I th- chalk it up as an Easter egg, I'd say. Okay. Uh, anything else you want to bring up? I don't think so. Okay. Um, I was just trying to run through my notes real quick again, and again, the three pages of them. You know, and, for a uh, moment, I was thinking about referring to this episode as a setup episode, and I want to refrain from that because I think it's got the connotation that it's somehow less than, which this episode obviously isn't. On the other hand, it's dark. A dark setup episode is great in and of itself i guess what i'm getting at is i'm still giving it an a i say i thought maybe you're gonna drop an a must yeah after watching re-watching this one i don't uh, you know i don't know about this one i mean it does you know answer I don't know, it leaves I mean, so many things together and right. i don't know it's just so intricate that it, it, right it's, it's difficult to tell without having seen the rest Right. Yeah. So, but we just assume that this is a, you know, we, we like Jonas are, you know, kind of assuming that, that those in charge know what they're doing and, and that everything is working out as it's supposed to. And that in the end, it'll all be great. So I'll stick with the A as well. Okay. All right. Well, why don't we jump to listener feedback and hear what Fred's got for us this week, albeit he didn't have as much time as he normally has. So uh, here's Fred, and we'll be right back. Hello, Dave and Wayne, and all listeners to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for Dark, Season 3, Episode 2. Whoa, this is on short notice. It's Wednesday, actually already Thursday, quarter to one in the night, and I suddenly got a message from Dave that they will record their podcast for dark season three episode two already tomorrow morning fortunately i did see the second episode not the third but i did see the second so i can say some stuff but it will be very short first thing i want to say is about the opening scene where i wonder if this is a dream by marta 2.0 or a fantasy by middle-aged jonas because the one Marta is having sex with is not Killian, so that would be the normal Jonas, and how would Martin 2.0 remember something like that? Or is it really just a fantasy, also of her? So then I thought, perhaps we are just looking at a fantasy of middle-aged Jonas, and not a dream of Marta. And as you know, I like pedigrees, so I'm very much intrigued by the big pedigree, the mirrored pedigree. 
but I have to study it in more detail before I can say something about it. Talking about pedigrees, Joe Herbers posted a very nice link to an interactive pedigree by Netflix. This is such a nice pedigree because you can just click on which episode you are and you don't get spoilers for the next episode. So the pedigree is always up to date to which episode you are. And that's for season 1, 2 and 3. About the discussion between Jana and Tronte, that Jana says, I wondered all these years who Regina's father would be. Tronte doesn't answer. I think it will be a red herring and he won't be the dad. She, by the way, has a bracelet that reminds me a little bit of the Ouroboros, so the snake that bites his own tail, like we saw in the caves, where the red thread is uh, attached to. And of course, like anybody else probably, I don't understand why Trontet kills the older Regina with cancer. Okay, that was all for now. I really have to rewatch the episode to get more questions, which will then add up for the next episode, or you will just answer them all. Great, all the best, Fred from the Netherlands. Yeah, with Martha's dream, as we said, I... I get the sense it's more Martha and a combination of memories. And I, I, I guess what makes it so interesting is whose memories are they? Are they alt Martha's memories? Are they Martha prime's memories are? Yeah. Again, yeah. I, I, yeah, it's, it's right now, you know, again, is this stuff just coming up from her subconscious? Is this stuff that she's experienced? Or is it something else? Is it, yeah. is it potentially Jonas' fantasy? Probably. It's probably been a while, back in 1888, you know? Now, the other thing he mentions is the official Netflix site for Dark and he claims that you can go there and not get spoiled. I'm not ready to take that leap. Fred, we trust you about your assessment. I think I'm going to wait until the series is over before I go to the, yeah. any Netflix official site. Because, my God, you just look at the little capsules of the episode You know, yeah. when you're calling up Netflix. If your eyes go down to no, the next episode. No, I can't look. Can't yeah. look. You gotta, uh. you gotta just avert your eyes. If you hit pause, you gotta avert your eyes too, because it's gonna tell you everything that happens in the in, in the episode there as well. Yep. So Netflix makes it very difficult not to be spoiled. Um, one thing uh, I, I forgot to mention that I wanted to about the uh, Mar- Marta's dream is that you know sh- if if it is her dream and she's dreaming of having sex with Jonas. Um, and again, we could say, but they've just met or have they met a number of times? We, we don't really know where this Marta has been and how much traveling she's done. It, it certainly points out within the, the play Ariadne, um, we saw in seasons in, well, actually just season, the last episode of season three and in season one, where she speaks about this invisible threat. Now, obviously, you know, that is literally talking about like the threat Ariadne gave Theseus so he could escape from the labyrinth. But there's also seems to be this invisible thread that binds together Jonas and Marta. And like, you know, you had mentioned last 
last episode how when uh, Jonas, uh, uh, you know, accosts her, well, I don't say accosts her, meets her in the woods and talks about the glitch in the matrix and everything, how, the, she, you, you know, you mentioned that she has like this kind of sense of recon- recognition there. So, you know, part of that also is, you know, there there is this kind of bond between these two. So if they're having dreams of each other, it seems like that that speaks to that invisible thread there. Yeah. So is there a bleed through from one world to the next, or is it a result of traveling in the future that she yeah. doesn't know she's done yet? Anyway, oh, uh, one Fred- thing I, I did for, I meant to mention okay. is that uh, when young Katarina is sitting in the kitchen and her mother comes home and slaps her on the side of the head for no reason at all, she's listening to uh, Is This Love by Survivor, and now I can't get that effing song out of my head. All right. There you go. Blame it on Baron Bo Odar and Yante Frisia. Yeah, I can blame it on Survivor to a little bit. Yeah, yeah good but- point. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, we will leave it there. Fred, thank you for the feedback, especially uh, given the fact that you only had a couple of hours to put that one together. But that's going to do it for this episode of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. We want to thank you for joining us. Love to hear what you think about Dark, anything else going on in genre TV, if there is anything other than Dark. We encourage you to join the Facebook group and share your thoughts with the Sci-Fi TV Rewatch community. If you're already a member, spread the word emails can go to sci-fi tv rewatch at gmail.com and we'll be back next time to discuss season three episode three of the german netflix series dark titled adam and eve but until then you know dave you you really should practice social distancing right and i know you probably want to come by for crabs on fourth of july but if you turn up here again i'm putting you in protective custody